Welcome to Church 213. We pray that the message today is a clear picture of who Christ wants to be in your life. We trust God for a miracle in the next few minutes. Thanks for listening. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Palm Sunday. Y'all alive and well? I said, are you alive and well? You happy about that? Thank you, praise team. I want you to know that Dom hit the nail on the head. This is in no way a performance for them because I know their hearts. This is just humble praise and worship. And that's why the power of the Lord can flow from this place is because it's flowing from a place of purity. Say it often. This church is only as powerful as the purity of its people. Hey, let me plug a few things before we really dig in and, and get after it. Um, there's really two types of people in this world. There are growers and there are ought to be growers. And so uh, I want to kind of turn your attention to a resource that I want to encourage you to take advantage of this week. This is, this is Holy Week. This is Passion Week. It starts off with Palm Sunday. Um, and there is an organization and it's online. It's eyewitness.org. Eyewitness.org. And what they have done is they have taken... Um, they have taken uh, eyewitness accounts and they've put it into drama. And the one that's special to me um, is the Easter series. So what they've done is they've taken an element of the Easter story and they've put it into an eyewitness account and it follows each day of Holy Week. So this is great for your family. We did it last Easter as a family, kind of family Devo time. And we're going to do it again this, this, this year because it's so good. So just go to that website, and there's different, there's different um, series, but click the one Easter, and it looks like that. And this first one is called Owner, and it's Palm Sunday, and it's that gentleman talking about the moment that Jesus called for his donkey. Oh, man, I just got chill bump just thinking about it. Um, so I want to put that resource in your hand. I want to help you grow. There's two types of people in this world. There's growers, and there's ought to be growers. And so uh, y'all do that. Start, start tonight. It's really good for your, for your family or even you individually. Um, something else that I want to plug is the fact that next Sunday is Super Bowl. You know, every Sunday is Super Bowl Sunday. But every once in a while you have Super Super Bowl Sunday. And that's next Sunday, Easter. So be a bringer. Uh, so what we've done, we've had these made. These are just information cards about Church 213. So pick up a few of these. Invite someone to join you in Easter next week and you it's not easter related necessarily it's just general church information but it's a great tool to say hey jesus loves you i do too why don't you come to jesus i love you too and so you can put it in their hand there's some right outside on the give area and also uh, at the welcome desk and so it just has who we are what we believe and why you need to be a part of church 213 amen as you know at the close of service our praise team and Pastor Dom are going to lead us in a moment of communion, moment of reflection. And so if you follow our church member Facebook page, our house faith family page, we have some ladies uh, up here this week that prepared these things. Um, and they're, they're prepackaged, but it's not the prepackaged things that kind of choke you to death, right? So um, it's prepackaged, uh, and it's, it's uh, designed for it to be safe. All right? So we want to still be cautious and courageous as we move forward. But I want to have communion. Amen. This is a fantastic morning to reflect on what Jesus has done for us. So, uh, so without further ado, let's get after that. We're going to be in Mark chapter 15. We're continuing our roll call series. Roll call, how will you be found this Easter? That's the question. 
And my prayer that, that I kind of put out from last Sunday is, I want you to be found in a place that it seems like this Easter you've experienced the tomb for the very first time. I need Easter. You need Easter? I need Easter to kind of recalculate my mind. And so, week two, how will you be found this Easter? Um, I experienced something as a freshman at Stuart McConnell College, which is just a small school up in North Georgia. And um, it's tough for me to talk about. But, but I think I need, to, I need to be transparent to show you how it relates to my experience and how it ties into this week's message. So here's what happened. I'm telling you, it's tough for me to talk about. So, so just hang with me. Get up one morning. It was start of spring semester. Um, I'd gotten some cargo pants for Easter. I mean, uh, for Christmas. I got a bike for Easter once. That's another story. Um, but I got some cargo pants. Now, these were no ordinary cargo pants. Yeah, they had the big pockets on the side, right? Um, they it ha- even had a little baby pocket down on the calf, you know, it's where you put your tater tots. <laughs> but what made these pants so cool is it had adjustable Velcro right here. Oh, yeah, can I get a witness? You know, so, so I, put these, I put these cargo pants on, and, uh, and I went out that morning, and I, you know, I had some swag. I thought, I thought, you know, I got myself together today. I'm looking good. And so I uh, went to morning classes, had breakfast, you know, and then I went to lunch in the dining hall. There were people everywhere. Went to two other classes in the afternoon and rolled in, you know, like the Detroit, Detroit strut. You know what I mean? And so I rolled in to, um, to, my, to my dorm room that afternoon, and my roommate just starts pointing at my pants, and he's laughing his face off. And I'm like... What in the world? And when I looked at what he was laughing at, I was mortified. Because stuck to the back of that Velcro was this long, black, lint-covered dress sock. (laughs) That I had been carrying around all stinking day. It changed my life. I told you I was going to kind of pull back the curtain a little bit. I mean, if only I had someone that morning that could have pointed out what was so obvious. If only I would not have had to have walked, walked around all day carrying this embarrassment and this judgment that I deserved. It was on me, right? That was on me. If only I had known. If, if, if I could have lived life differently and so as we get into the second week of our roll call series I want to look at a guy today that often gets overlooked in the Easter story and I want to point out that he's absolutely strategic to this series question how will you be found this Easter because what he does is through this brief encounter he points out what should be obvious for all of us and is this, arrested to be freed. Arrested to be freed. Now, last week we looked at, we looked at uh, the life of Peter, and the point was emptied to be filled. So this morning is arrested to be freed. And so if you have your copy of God's Word, we're going to be in Mark chapter 15. You can kind of go ahead and, uh, and find your place there. I'll give you some time. Um, Listen, uh, I, I, I'm not anti, um, 
digital Bible, but there's something special about being able to open God's written word on a page. Because what it does, I really believe it helps you focus. Because I know when I'm on my Bible app, I might get an email notification, I may get a text, I might get a Facebook bump, you know, and it just kind of takes away. So let me encourage you to bring this so you can be all in and you can take some notes and you can underline, okay? So if you have your copy of God's Word, if it's digital, fine. If it's copy, if you got it memorized, that's okay too. Let's stand together as we read Mark chapter 15, starting in verse 1. If you're there, say I'm there. Mark 15, starting in verse 1, it says, As soon as it was morning, having held a meeting with the elders and scribes and the, and the whole Sanhedrin, the chief priest tied Jesus up and led him away and handed him over to Pilate. And so Pilate asked him, Are you king? Are you the king of the Jews? And he answered him, You say so. And the chief priest accused him of many things. Pilate answered him again, Aren't you going to answer? He questioned him again, aren't you going to answer? Look how many things they're accusing you of, but Jesus still did not answer. And so Pilate was amazed. Verse 6. At the festival, it's the festival of unleavened bread, it's the Passover festival. At the festival, Pilate used, uh, used to release for the people a prisoner whom they questioned. There was one named Barabbas who was in prison with rebels who had committed murder during the rebellion. The crowd came up and began to ask Pilate to do for them, as was his custom. Pilate answered them, do you want me to release the king of the Jews for you? For he knew it was because of envy that the chief priest had handed him over. But the chief priest stirred up the crowd so that he would release Barabbas to them instead. And Pilate asked them again, then what do you want me to do with one you call the king of the Jews? Verse 13, and they shouted, crucify him. And Pilate said to them, why? What has he done wrong? But they shouted all the more, crucify him. And wanting to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them. And having Jesus flogged, he handed him over to be crucified. And may the Lord bless this word of power. You guys can be seated. Man, that took a turn, didn't it? So who do we just meet right here, other than Jesus and other than Pilate? Barabbas, right. We just met Barabbas, and it's, you know, Barabbas is skimmed over often in the Easter story because the, the, uh, the Easter story moves so fast between the arrest in the garden, the trial, the illegal trial on the cover of darkness. It happens so fast. Scholars say that it happened in about 12 hours. So all of these players that are coming in and out of the story, if we're not careful, we can just kind of overlook them. But the lives of Barabbas and Jesus, they, they intersect in a way that seems coincidental, that seems accidental. But I want you to know, there, there, are, there are no accidental meetings with Jesus. Then, and certainly now. And so, when we're in God's presence, pray for courage to properly respond. 
And that's on your notes right there. Think about it. When we are in God's presence, and we are right now, as his, as his people around his word, when we're in God's presence, pray for courage to properly respond. And we're going to have an opportunity to properly respond based on this word in just a few minutes when we receive the Lord's Supper. See, Barabbas is an example um, of Easter's central message. And that central message is this. We're arrested to be free. And so I'm going to point out three big ideas that we find in Barabbas that helps us answer that question. How are we going to be found this Easter? The first one is this. Barabbas was rebellious at the core. This guy was rebellious at the core. Look at verse 6 and 7. If you would, in, um, in Mark 15. It says, At the festival, Pilate used to release for the people a prisoner whom they re requested. And there was one named Barabbas who was in prison with rebels who had committed murder during the rebellion. That was the charge. This guy was rebellious at the core so here's some here's some background on on barabbas it's likely um he was this anti-roman extremist and uh and they use violence as their as their calling card so this meant assassinations this meant um you know um you know terrorist acts uh, targeted murders i want you to think about this group that barabbas was a part of is like a domestic terror group and we know what that's like. He was a renegade outlaw. This guy was a bona fide troublemaker. He was rebellious at the core. But to understand Barabbas, you, you really need to know where all this rebellion is rooted. Where is this coming from? You know, don't look at the fruit. What are we going to look at? The root. Where is this rebellion coming from? Well, the time that we're talking about right here in Mark 15, in Jewish history... Is called the Second Temple Period. And that's important because we want to rewind history a little bit because we're trying to find out where his rebellion was rooted. And so if we rewind it, Jerusalem was destroyed and taken over by the Babylonians in 580 C. It was the northern southern kingdom thing that we find in the Old Testament. And some of those Jews, the cream of the crop, because they were about indoctrinating the culture. So how do you do that? You take all the guys from the top. So they took, they took the cream of the crop, and they took those men and women, and they took them back to Babylon in captivity. And this is the time in the Bible that you'll find accounts like Daniel in the lion's den, um, Meshach, Shadrach, and a bad Cadillac. You know, you, you, find, you, find those stories, you find those stories right there, the fiery furnace. The Jews had lost their national identity, but they had not lost God's promises. And so in 538, the Persian Empire came in and they took over the Babylonians. And King Cyrus II sent some of those, sent those Jews back home to reestablish their culture and to rebuild their temple. This is where we get the books of like Ezra and Nehemiah and Haggai and, uh, and Zechariah and Malachi. And it's kind of all summed up in First and Second Chronicles. And the second temple was built during this time, which is why the period that we're talking about in first century here is called the second temple period. Y'all with me? Say I am. All right, hang with me. So Israel at this point, even though they were sent home by King Cyrus, they were still under 
Persian control. Until Alexander the Great rolls in, boots the Persians out, and then the whole region of Israel became a, a toss-up. And so you had Syrians and you had the Egyptians. They were fighting over that land right there. And the Israelites, they just wanted to rule themselves. They wanted to have their own temple worship. They wanted to stick with what God had told them to do through the Abrahamic covenant through Moses. They just wanted to live life. But it wasn't happening. Because they were always under someone else's thumb. That's what rebellion will get you. And so this came to a head when a, a series of Syrian rulers came in and they clamped down on Jewish uh, the religion and they stopped them from, from, uh, from having the Sabbath and they stopped them from sacrificing and honoring the Lord in the temple. Oh, that was it. It was on. You know, they had crossed the line. It's like somebody taking a gator flag and planting it in the middle of the G in Athens, GA, Okay which is like heaven on Saturday, okay? They had crossed the line. Things were getting heated. And the tipping point was when one of those Syrian kings sacrificed an animal to Zeus on the altar inside of the Holy of Holies. And that was it. And so the, Jew, the Jews revolted, and they, and they, they took back control of their, of their religious tradition and their land, and they cleansed the temple. And that cleansing of the temple is still celebrated every year in, a, in, a, um, in what the Jews called Hanukkah. That's what Hanukkah is. It's, it's when they cleanse the temple. And Israel was independent until 63 B.C. Alright, I'm always through this history lesson. Hang with me. They were independent until then. And guess who come rolling into town? The Romans. And that's where we pick up right here. And again, a group of anti-establishment rebels, they were back at it. They're like, we're back in it, boys. The Romans are here. Okay, and so the zealots is what they were called, and it included, it included Barabbas. And they woke up every single morning plotting ways to take back their independence by any means necessary. So that's where we are. See, every generation spawned some, some kind of um, freedom fighters. And they wanted to do life on their own terms. Nobody was going to tell them what to do. Nobody was going to tell them how to do it. And Barabbas was a rebel at the core. He had no interest in honoring the king. And he was an instrument of unrighteousness. Y'all with me? That's, that's who he was. But remember, he's part of the Easter story. Which means there's something that we can see in the life of Barabbas that kind of points to us as we answer this question. So we can't bandwagon this thug right here. We can't do it. Because if we really are honest and we take an honest look, we understand that we are rebellious like Barabbas when we fail to honor the king. We are like Barabbas when we fail to honor the king. So it's time for us to, you know, check ourselves. What's the saying? Check yourself before you wreck yourself. That, that, that's where we are. You know, Barabbas is there. But he failed to honor the king. And Lord simply means to submit to as authority and to follow with joy. 
Jesus your Lord and Savior? See, Barabbas' rebellion that is rooted in national pride is really no different than someone today that refuses to do what God wants them to do because they want to do what they want to do. Even the most simple act of disobedience is rebellion. The Bible clearly tells us that we are crooked deep down. That's who we are because of the impact that sin has on our nature. The Bible calls the rebellious nature the flesh. You see that a lot in the New Testament. Calls it the flesh. This is basically that internal hard drive that we have. It's that, it's that engine inside of a lost person that makes them an instrument of unrighteousness. Because there's been no submission to the king. If you're with me, say, I am. It, it's there. And that broken relationship with God, it's very easy to see because it produces works of destruction. It's not a secret. And the Bible says that you can clearly know a tree by its fruit because that tree bears that same fruit season after season after season. I'm surprised that most of you aren't wearing yellow to blend in with, with what's blooming out there. You know what? Pollen? Yeah, maybe it's the spawn of Satan. I don't know. But it rolls in about this time every year, right? Because you know a tree by its fruit. And the Bible says that that flesh, it manifests itself in different ways. So here's some different ways. There's more than this, but I just want to highlight two. Where does this unrighteousness, what is this rebellion, how does it manifest itself? Well, one is the sin of ignorance. The sin of ignorance. If you do word studies, you'll find in the New Testament that the, the word for sin of ignorance is the Greek word agnaio. agnaio. And what this means, it, it means not to know, not to understand to sin by willingly being unaware. Romans chapter 10 verse 3 says this. Simply, I mean, since they are ignorant of the righteousness of God and attempted to establish their own righteousness, they have not submitted to God's righteousness. This is the sin of ignorance. Since they are ignorant of the righteousness. Ignorant, that word there means to willingly not want to know. It's where we get the word agnostic. See, I believe a person's not agnostic because they're not really sure there's a God. I believe they just don't want to try to know that there's a God. Because the word gives us an idea that a person could have known what was right, but they chose not to find out the sin of ignorance. Reminds me of a story I heard. Um, there was this young deputy, and he was traveling on a back road in the country, and he notices a car full of old ladies going really slow. He's like, this is dangerous. So he flips a light on, he pulls, it, pulls them over, and as he walks up to the car, he realizes that the two ladies in the back are scared to death. They're white as a sheet. They're shaking like a leaf on a tree. He's like, i got to find out what's going on. And so he asks the driver, he's like, ma'am, is everything okay? And she's like, well, what's the problem, officer? Yeah, everything's fine. He's like, well, you're going really slow, dangerously slow. She said, I had no idea. He said, you're going 15 miles an hour. 
She said, oh my goodness, I thought that was a speed limit. And that's what the sign said back there. It was 15. He said, no ma'am. He said, that's Highway 15. And she said, well that totally makes sense. No wonder Helen and Lois have been screaming their heads off the last 20 minutes. I just got off on Highway 105. See, just because she didn't realize it doesn't mean that there's not a standard right there. You can ignore God or choose not to know what's required, but it is still the moral standard and you're held accountable by it. Which is why for us, we've got to study the Bible. We've got to study it and know what the king is up to so we know how to join in on that. Amen? That's the sin of ignorance. There's another word that the New Testament uses. And that is the sin of error. The sin of error. This word, it describes rebellion as a person wandering off. The idea is being led astray like an intoxicated person who wanders about confused. Stumbling around. Stumbling and staggering around in his own will doing what he thinks is right. Living life according to his wants. That's the idea that's, that's in the New Testament with the word of, of sin. This form of rebellion, y'all, it's all around us. You see it, don't you? Wandering around, doing what seems right in the eyes of man. This is the root of physicians. Y'all hang on, about to get down in it, okay? This is the root of physicians like abortion is the woman's right to choose to take the life of another who has no choice. That is the sin of wandering away willingly. We see it. It's right in our, it's right in our eyes. It's examples like living in extracurricular relationships that are ungodly. Wandering away selfishly or changing the definition of our identity uh, or, or of marriage to any type of union that the flesh wants. Wandering away toward darkness. Where does that darkness end? Where does that wandering end? You can't wander around forever without there being some consequence, right? Come on, church, right? There has to be a consequence. We see it all around us. God's Word tells us in Proverbs 14. So I want you guys to kind of take a left and go to Proverbs 14. Uh, if you don't have your copy, I think they've got it on the screen. I want to read it to you. Proverbs 14, 12 through 16. The sin of error, the sin of wandering. Where, where does this end? Proverbs 14, verse 12. This is a memory verse for you. Let me challenge you. There's a way that seems right to a person, but its end is the way to death. Verse 13. Even in laughter, a heart may be sad and joy may end in grief. The disloyal one will get what his conduct deserved and a good one what his deeds deserved. The inexperienced one believes anything. But the sensible one watches, verse 16, a wise person is cautious 
and turns from evil. There's intentionality there. But a fool is easily angered and is careless. So, what I'm saying is being played out right in front of us in our culture, our culture in chaos, our culture in moral freefall. And it's there that it's in moral freefall because the fabric of our being is being ripped apart in rebellion of those who won't seek to find God's rule. And the Bible says they will pay a high price in the end. And it says, so the one who is, deceived, to, who is deceived by his own wandering will ultimately get what that wandering produces. And I know they're hot button issues. I know it. I realize that. Believe me. <laughs> I really thought about this because I know that I'm on Facebook. And Facebook might censor this. But I love you too much not to share the truth of God's word because the Bible says the truth will set the captive free. So flag it if you want to for offensive content. I, hey, I have to battle what's best for you. Right? I mean, I, I have to. I have to battle it because God loves you too much. God is in too much of a pursuit of you for not to lay out the truth. See, I love my girls, which is why I say absolutely not when they ask me if they can ride their bikes down 213. I've seen how some of you drive in here on Sundays. <laughs> you think I'm going to let them get out there? It's like the Daytona 500 out there. You guys are, you know, I've seen the way you drive. I had a lady the other day almost run me off the road putting on her makeup. Almost made me spill my cereal. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was. I've seen it. Here's the point. I love Emma and Sadie far too much to let them do whatever they want to do. And their daddy. This is on your notes. You guys see this. God has given us life. Not just to be happy, but to be holy reflections of his image to which we are made. But I'm here to tell you, church, there, there's no person happier than the one living inside the boundaries of their creator. Statistics will show there is no happier marriage than the Christian marriage who's in it to win it. That group of people. Why is that? It's because they're equally yoked. See, people rebel against the idea of authority because it demands accountability. Making the conscience get really uncomfortable when things get quiet. So what do you do? You reject the idea of the king. Just like Barabbas. Barabbas was rebellious. And my question this morning for us is, you know, roll call, how are we going to be found this, this Easter? Are we going to be found rebellious in some area of our lives? And I encourage you to take that moment of evaluation in just a few minutes before we receive the Lord's Supper. And ask God, is there a spot in my life that I'm being rebellious? Am I Barabbas? Let that quietness kind of, uh, kind of sit and settle at night. Because I truly believe 
that a person that's trying to reject God, if they would just soak in it and they would just think about it and listen to the honesty of their hearts and their conscience, they'll realize that there is a God who is in pursuit of us. So yeah, Barabbas was rebellious at the core. Something else, Barabbas was guilty as charged. Barabbas was guilty as charged. Let's look at um, 1 through 7 again. Uh, In Mark 15, starting in verse 1, it says, As soon as it was morning, having held a meeting with the elders, scribes, and the whole Sanhedrin, the chief priest tied Jesus up, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate. So Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? And he answered him, You say so. And the chief priest accused him of many things. They accused him. Pilate questioned him again, aren't you going to answer? Look how many things they are accusing you of. But Jesus still did not answer. And so Pilate was amazed. Verse 6, at the festival, Pilate used to release for the people a prisoner whom they requested. There was one named Barabbas who was in prison with rebels who had committed murder during the rebellion. That's a fact. There wasn't an accusation there. That's what, they, that's what they actually did. The gospel describes him as notorious, talking about Barabbas. So while other people saw him as a freedom fighter, it was obvious that this was a bad dude. This was a bad dude, and this dude deserved punishment. See, Rome, remember we, we, we flushed out all that history. Rome wanted this guy gone because he was a threat to their political power. The Pharisees wanted Jesus gone because he was a threat to their religious power. You see the mirror right there? It's right there in front of our face. And so Caiaphas and the full Sanhedrin convinced Jesus uh, convicted Jesus of blasphemy in this, in this rigged trial in the middle of the night because he claimed to be the Son of God and they didn't believe him. And so the charges stuck. But they just didn't want to convict him of blasphemy. They wanted him dead. And the only ones that could perform that was the Romans. They, they, they had the authority to do it. So it was off to Pilate, the governor of Judea. And in God's mysterious workings of his plan, you got two men, completely different in every way, crossing paths in the pivot point of history. Right there. Pilate found Jesus innocent of the charges. The charges were that he was trying to um, form an insurrection against Rome. That's not what he was trying to do. He was completely innocent of that. Everybody knew it. And this is so ironic because sitting in a cell right next to Jesus was a guy that was actually trying to form an insurrection against Rome. But this is the thing. The Pharisees hated Jesus more than Barabbas because Jesus got in their business. Jesus got deep down in their black hearts. Jesus called out their guilt and their lostness and their hypocrisy. And so what did they do? They said, crucify him. 
crucify him, get rid of him. They said it, they said it twice. Some of your, maybe your New Testament translations have crucify him, crucify him, which means there was a strong sense of emotion. Think about this crucifixion. It was, it was the Rome's, uh, Romans' most torturous type of death in the first century, and it wasn't a simple act. There was a lot of logistics that went on, okay? It's like trying to take your toddler to a birthday party. You've got to really think through this thing. Like the dad that I, I saw taking his toddler to a baseball game, he had one diaper in his back pocket. That'll cover me. It's a four-hour game. I mean, the package says it'll hold, you know, eight to ten pounds, right? <laughs> so that's all I need. <laughs> yeah, that, that'll come around on you. So the point was... This was no ordinary thing. It, it, took a lot of, it took a lot of effort. And the reason was it, it wasn't a simple punishment to hand, to, uh, to hand down. And so the, the, uh, the Romans performed crucifixion in groups. In groups to show people that were guilty that they're going to pay a high price. Don't mess with us. Which means the cross for Barabbas was already on site. It was already prepared. There's four stages of execution. Um, I've got a graphic that I want to put up and kind of walk you through this. The first stage, I know it's kind of fuzzy, um, but you can, you can get the point. The first stage is a criminal had to carry that crossbar, which is called the patibulum. The patibulum was that crossbar, and, and the, soul, the, uh, the criminal would have to carry that all the way to the crucifixion site which stood, the main beam stood about seven feet. You can see this perhaps playing out in the New Testament. There was a second part, it's when the criminal arrived at the site, they would be nailed or, or tied to that patibulum somewhere in the wrist and hand region. Scholars are, uh, you know, they debate, was it through the, through the palm of the hand or was it through the wrist? Point was, it was nailed to that beam. And then the third stage was that beam right there, that cross beam, it would be hoisted by Roman soldiers who had long poles with forks on the end. And so each soldier would get on either side and they would lift the beam with the criminal nailed to it up to that main state which had a groove and then they would drop it on top like that. It was more like a capital T than it was kind of traditionally what we think of. Can you imagine the force of crucifixion? And then the fourth stage they would nail the accusation above the criminal somewhere at the top. And there would be death by suffocation and loss of blood that's the picture of passion week for us but I want you to know that that it is no accident that Jesus was there there was no accident that Jesus was there Barabbas was a mirror for us he's pointing out the obvious he was guilty it was on his record and so are we when we check our record aren't you glad you came to church this morning we are guilty when we check our record, just like Barabbas, Paul says in Romans 3.23 that all have sinned 
and fallen short of the glory of God. His standard, which means all of us are rebellious. You know it. Why don't we tremble at this? Because we've lost sight of who God is. We don't know how much we've sinned. The same way a fish doesn't know how wet it is. Because we just kind of stay there. The society, the Bible says, our society drinks down iniquity like it's water. You don't have to teach a child how to lie or be self-centered, do you? You don't have to, um, you don't have to practice road rage in your garage before you leave the property. Do, do any of you sit, sit in your own homes and practice how to have road rage? You know, road rage 101, road rage, road, easy for you to say. Road rage, you know, for, for dummies, you know, have that open, okay, today, all right, when I leave here, I'm going to do this, this. No, because it just flows out of us. We are that on our own. When I was three, I almost bit the nose off of my friend at daycare. Is that awful? Why are you laughing, you sicko? <laughs> Why are you laughing at that? Why? Why would I do such a... I mean, was it just like this twisted curiosity that was somewhere down? I don't know. I don't know. But I do know this, that guilt is on our record from birth and there's no escaping it. Romans 5.12 says this. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, Adam, and death through sin, in this way death spread to all people because of sin. It's where it comes from. It was this, uh, it was this college, and, and um, they established a football program. The football program wanted a mascot, so the team got together and said, Hey, I, I think we want to get a goat. We want goat to be the mascot. They didn't know where they were going to keep it. So two of, the, two of the captains like, we'll just keep it in our dorm room. Well, the, uh, the dean of academic affairs got wind that they had a goat in their dorm room. So he made a visit. He's like, I hear you guys have a goat in your dorm room. They're like, yes, sir. He's like, what about the smell? And they said, well, he'll get used to the smell. <laughs> right? You live in the dorm room. You know that's the truth. See, for us, hey, believers, never stop being nauseated at sin. Never get used to it. See, just because it's everywhere doesn't mean it's normal. And there are consequences, as the Bible says, that will last for generations. Barabbas was guilty. It was on his, on his record. And so are we. That's bad news. Because anybody with a guilty record cannot stand for eternity with a holy God. Because he's just. And he's good. And if he was not just, he would not be good. And if he is not good, he cannot be loving. He has to be a God of justice. Because it flows from love. That's why I don't let my girls ride their bikes on 213. Because I understand the consequences. That's the bad news. But I'm here to tell you. It's the good news of Jesus that will change your life. Which leads us to the third thing. Barabbas was free through Christ. He was rebellious at the core. He was guilty as charged. But he was free through Christ. Exactly what the text says. Look at verse 8. It says, The crowds came up and began asking Pilate to do for them as was his custom. 
Pilate answered them, Do you want me to release the king of the Jews for you? For he knew it was because of envy that the chief priest had handed him over. Just old-fashioned, natural rebellion. The sin of ignorance and the sin of error. Verse 11 says, But the chief priest stirred up the crowd so that he would release Barabbas to them instead. And Pilate asked them again, Then what do you want me to do with the one you call the king of the Jews? And they shouted, Crucify him. Pilate said to them, Why? What has he done wrong? But they shouted all the more, Crucify him. And wanting to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them. And after having Jesus flogged, he handed him over to be crucified. See, what Barabbas didn't know Ben, will you mind slipping out and see what that was for me, brother? I bet that was that backdrop falling that I was going to tell you to make sure you take a picture of before y'all leave. Yeah. Y'all still do that. It's in one piece, okay? Here's the thing. What Barabbas didn't know was outside of Pilate's court, there was a circus going on. He had no idea. He couldn't have known that, that, that his life hung in the balance between a weak governor and a raging mob. He couldn't have known that. He, he knew his cross was prepared. The main stake was already at Mount Calvary. It was there. And I know for us, we're like, wait a minute. Barabbas goes free? Where's the, where's the fairness in that? You know, it kind of makes you sick to imagine, doesn't it? And over and over in the Gospels, Pilate is quoted proclaiming Jesus' innocence. I mean, Luke, in Luke 23, three times Pilate declares he believes that Jesus is innocent. Even Pilate's wife warns him, hey, you're messing with fire with this Jesus. I don't, I don't know everything, but, but, but sweetheart, if I were you, I would walk very lightly here. So why didn't he let him go? He should have. He knows he's innocent. He has the authority. Why didn't he let him go? And I, I think it's this, because he lacked courage to stand for what he thought was right. And he wanted to avoid a riot on a big old holiday. So as verse 15 says, he was willing to satisfy the crowd. He gave in to the voice of the crowd because he was afraid the crowd would cancel him. Cancel culture is not new. It's where rebellion goes. And Pilate, he didn't ask himself, is it right? Instead, he asked himself, is it safe? Is it popular? That's a completely different message right there, right? That's a question to ask yourself. Not, is it safe? Is it popular? Ask yourself, is it right? Do the right thing, even if it's a small thing. Do the right thing, even if it's a hard thing. Do the right thing even if it costs you something. Because someone's life might be hanging in the balance. The Bible says that Pilate thought he was going to get out of this mess by saying, hey, you know, if you, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. If you remember, it is my custom to release 
someone over Passover back to the Jews as a you know, release a prisoner to commemorate when the Jews came out of Egypt. It was a, you know, throw them a bone type thing. It was a bribe them. And I, I mean, I can imagine, certainly Pilate didn't think they would choose Jesus. I mean, Jesus was the one that he knew had healed their sick. He had fed their people. He had done miracles in their own neighborhood. Surely, they would choose Jesus over Barabbas. But they had no interest in seeing Jesus as innocent after all that he had done for them because of their sin of ignorance and their sin of error. And so what do they yell? Crucify him. Twice. Crucify him. This is on your notes. The Jesus they wanted to see was not the Jesus who was and who is. They were blinded by the sin of their error. And that's true today. We see it. Jesus is very popular today, unless you get too close. Because when you get too close, you have to take a closer look. So what do we do? We keep him on the fringe as a friend, but he's never meant to be a friend. He's either a liar, he's a lunatic, or he is Lord. He is King Jesus. Hosanna, Hosanna. Glory to the King in the highest. We just sang that. And sadly, we trade Jesus for Barabbas every day. And we don't even flinch. We just make that choice. So we can't be so quick to, to bandwagon this guy. And so Jesus, the innocent, is delivered over to punishment of death. While the guilty, absolutely guilty, deserving of death, is released and given new life. Easter is the day that royalty was traded for a rebel. Barabbas was free in Christ. But I'm, I'm about to give you a hallelujah right here. So are we. When we trade places with Jesus. If we trade places with Jesus, so are we free. See, the real story here is that an innocent man gave his life for the man who was so unapologetically guilty. There was a trade going on. And if we cringe at Barabbas going free, we really need to cringe at ourselves before our moment of salvation, before we step into faith in Christ, believe and confess. The Bible tells us that every single member of the human race is a Barabbas. We see that in Isaiah 53, 6. Isaiah 53, 6 says, We all went astray like sheep. We all have turned to our own way of rebellion. And the Lord has punished him for the iniquity of us all. Him is Jesus. He took our shame. He took our guilt. He took our punishment. He took our cross beam. He took the Roman soldier forks for us figuratively so that we can actually walk in newness of life. See, we're not convicted. Now get this, we're not convicted by a spineless governor or a mob. 
We're convicted by a holy God. That's who we are. But like Barabbas, we have a chance at freedom. Woo! We've got a chance to walk away from that bondage of rebellion by the sacrifice of God himself. So that patibulum, that main stake that was set up for Barabbas, yeah, it was set up for Barabbas, but really it was set up for me and you. It was set up for us. This is the promise. This is the real heart of Easter. So roll call 2021, how are you going to be found this Easter? I hope you realize and be found that, that the Son of God, the innocent one, pure and holy, God and man, yeah, he went to the cross ultimately, you know, because Pilate got it wrong. No, no, that's not why he went to the cross. Yeah, Pilate did get it wrong, and there was a mob, but he went to the cross because it was God's divine rescue plan for us all along. And so on those lonely moments on the cross, bloody and, and bruised as, as Jesus gasped for air and the entire burden of sin of humanity was thrust on him and the payment for our rebellion was accepted by the, by the Lord, we can now have a relationship, the option of choosing to be reconciled in a relationship with the Father. That's the gospel. Yes, bad news on this side of the cross. But because of the cross, that's where the good news comes in. And so for us, we have that choice. We have that choice to be no longer an instrument of unrighteousness. That's who Barabbas was. He was an instrument of unrighteousness and destruction was everywhere. And that's what we will do if we, if we walk according to our own demise. Don't be an, y'all, don't be an instrument of unrighteousness. Sit under the lordship of Jesus because of what he has done for me and for you. He took it for us. On the cross, God treated Jesus as if he lived our life. And because of the cross, God treats us as if we live Jesus' life. That's what brings us into a perfect relationship again with the Father. That's what makes a person lost, separated, but now found because of the payment that was made. That's what Easter is all about. That's what 2 Corinthians 5.21 says. Another great memory verse. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Having our record set right again. And so, Barabbas walks free. What happened to him? It doesn't say. I don't know. Maybe he, maybe he was, became a follower, it doesn't say. Maybe he just broke and ran, it doesn't say. But I do know for us, if you've been reconciled with the Father, don't ever live a life that someone may ask, whatever happened to them after they got saved? They just disappeared. Where are they? No, make yourself known. Make yourself known. Make an impact. Make it obvious that you have been set free and that reconcili reconciliation has rerouted you so you're bearing completely different fruit. You're no longer bound by that sin of unrighteousness. You are now set free to serve. So go out there and show it off because the world certainly needs it. So the question for us this week is roll call. How are you going to be found? Are you going to be found arrested? 
Are we going to be found free? And as I think back to that long black lint-covered sock, y'all, when, when it was pointed out to me, I could not get it off of me fast enough. Why? Because someone had pointed out the obvious. I had carried that sock around long enough. 